0: So after a week of record temperatures, we're going to discuss the hottest kit releases and which ones we want to set fire to. That's your third. Welcome to They Think Kits All Over, the football shirt show. Welcome back, listeners, and to Tom's granddad, who said that we need to swear less. Anything to say, Scott? (laughs) Fuck no. Very good, very good. I'm Adrian, football shirt Talia. Who else have we got joining us this week?
1: Mike, Footy shirts. Tom, at Shirt Fan.
0: And the bad mouth, Scotty, at Flying Scotty. Excellent stuff, gents. This week, we have an incredible feature with Dan, who runs the Crystal Palace podcast, Hotkin, looking to curl one. We've got loads more, including a summary of new releases, Shirt Room 101, kit history. But before all of that, we've got this week's news. So, kicking off the news this week, Burnley released a classic football shirt.
2: They did so Everybody's been talking about this one. Um, so, yeah, we saw Burnley drop a... Well, we'll talk about the shirt first. A really, really smart shirt. Good throwback to a retro 90s number, one of Burnley's more popular and famous shirts, if you like. But one of the main talking points for us as shirt collectors is the sponsor, which is none other than the market leader classic football shirt, so it's had a mixed reaction. Uh, the majority of people are happy that, you know, our little corner of the collecting world is getting a little bit of uh, the, the the spotlight, if you like, and it's had its fair share of haters. But as we all know, when you're at the top of the tree, that's exactly what happens. Uh, you know, the the little guys get a little bit upset with you. But, um, but the shirt and the sponsor, I think, look, Great together. I think it's great to see classic football shirts on the shirt
1: of such a big
2: mainstream club. And yeah, what do you
1: guys think? Yeah, I agree with you. I think finally we can take this hobby of ours out of the shadows and into the mainstream. And I, I see absolutely nothing wrong with that, really. I think it's it's good to see classic football shirts doing so well so they can sponsor a club like Burnley. And I think it's yeah, it's just it's it's a positive Thing, I think you know.
3: I think all the people that are getting upset about it don't realize that it's actually of benefit to them. Well, if you have a collection in the first place, but because, as Tom said, this is this is bringing it. You know, this is still quite a niche market. As much as it's, you know, we're all involved in it, so it's kind of our world and people that have been collecting it for a while. But when you speak to you know random people, they don't appreciate the the level of value that can be within a collection. And by this, by them getting on a shirt that's going to be on, you know, it'll be on TV and these people that maybe aren't into it, they'll be like, oh, I wonder what that is. And all it takes is a, is a quick look on the website. And I'm guessing a lot of jaws will drop if you've never looked at a used football shirt website before with some of the value of stuff. In it. And it can only increase people's awareness of what is now uh, starting to become you know, a serious collector's item with people. So, you know, if you have a collection, it's it's. I think it's good news for everybody.
2: It's the sponsor side, what do you think of the shirt? I think it looks good. I really like it.
3: Yeah, I think it's a really good shirt. I think Umbro have done a really good job. It would be interesting. I know a few people were um congratulating classic football shirts, but I'm pretty sure they didn't design the shirt. I don't think Umbro let them into the office to design the shirt just because they're sponsoring but saying that it is kind of cool that it's a throwback you know they they took the the design from I forget what year the shirt was but so it's a classic football shirt sponsor on a throwback shirt to a classic shirt which I think works really well and it looks I think it looks class
1: Yeah, I agree. I I really like the shirt. I think someone pointed out maybe they could have, you know, continued that kind of throwback design on the body into the sleeves. I think maybe, yeah, they have a point with that. But overall, it's it's a good shirt. And again, like we said, classic football shirts on the front of a shirt. Think how many casual observers there will be of that sponsor. They might have collections in the loft they've long forgotten about. And, you know, the more interest there is in, in this that we're all into, I think, yeah, only for the best.
3: Some people's lofts are gold mines, according to Twitter. So you're not wrong. But
0: Mike, you're right at the beginning. um, Often, as Grumpy shows in The Seven Dwarfs, some of the uh, smallest people are the most bitter. That wraps up the Bernie piece quite well. Tom, you're going to tell us about the perils of player personalisation.
1: Yeah, we we mentioned it briefly the other week. Um, We said be careful with new releases and buying new releases, especially if you're going to be personalising them at the moment, because the transfer market is wide open. Players are moving every day. And not just that, but players do tend to change numbers between seasons quite a lot these days. So I seem to think it's happening a lot more anyway. And of course, we've seen loads of squad changes in this last week. We've had Sterling at Chelsea, he's been given a number 17, obviously no longer at Man City. We have Cancelo at Man City, who's gone to number seven for a fullback, which is unusual and not his number last year. And then of course, we've had Roma, they've just signed Paolo Dybala. And he's taken Nemanja Matic, is 21, who's only had that number a week or so since signing from Man United. So it just underlines the, how perilous it can be getting a shirt personalised this early before the squads are all formalised. So one of the things that have been introduced to combat that, though, is Kitbag, of course, one of the other big retailers out there. And they have unveiled this kind of initiative called Transfer Shield which you can see on a lot of the new releases that they have available. And basically this idea is kit bag. if you buy a shirt and that player changes teams within 90 days of your purchase, you can replace that shirt for free, which, you know, is a lovely little layer of insurance because it's definitely... Uh, a, a trap I've fallen foul of in the past.
2: I think it's, I mean, the kit bag thing in particular, I think it's a really good move. I'm, I'm as somebody who kind of like, I'm a bit 50 50 when I buy shirts as to whether or not they come with a, a name set and whether I bother with that from the start or not. But it does give a little bit of, you know, added insurance, I suppose. I mean, I've seen, I mean, on the contrary to what Kit Bag are doing, I think it was uh, somebody shared their experience with Man City this week, I think it was, where they'd got a shirt personalised and the number had changed literally the day after. And a quite frankly, absolute shithouse move, in my opinion. Man City just said, you know, players change. What do you want us to do about it? Well, I'll tell you what we wanted to do. I want you to not do that the day after someone buys their shirt. There's no way that the club didn't know the day before that that number was being changed. So all credit to kit bag, it will probably cost them a bit of money in the long run. So, you know, you can't fault
3: them for what they're doing. Yeah. The only thing I would, I, I think it's a really good incentive. And I think it definitely will be um, popular with the, the retailers, but it would be interesting to know what they're going to do with the shirts that get sent back, because I think there's a really good opportunity for a charity donation there for anybody in need, because I know that, you know, a lot of the Red Cross and things send clothes over to to people that require it. And I think that would be, that would be a really, a really good, you know, a wholesome way to deal with those shirts that are, that are not going to be, that essentially will be ruined. You know, they could, they could really do some good for somebody.
1: Hang on a minute. I do have to interject there because Bruno Fernandes is one of those players that's changed numbers. I feel sorry for those poor little kids if they're being sent Man United shirts, Scott.
4: Can't
1: do
2: that. <laughs> just, just to clarify, Tom. Um, sorry, did did you say that they're covered against transferred players? Not not just players who change their squad numbers. So this is actual transferred. Any so
1: if someone leaves the club within ninety days of you getting the printed shirt, so, so that's what it says on the kind of like promo image that Kitbag gave out and that's on their website. Yeah, it's interesting. It doesn't actually say players that change their squad number, but I don't know, I'd like, maybe we should ask them for clarification, but I'd like to think that it would cover that too. I think in a small print,
0: it says permanent transfers only. So I'm thinking if you get an Italian slash Tottenham type move where it's a two-year loan and then a fee at the end, that potentially wouldn't count either. And like you say, squad number changes with... With Fernandes and Cancelo potentially wouldn't wouldn't count, but Man United were pretty good about this a year ago, weren't they, Scott? They let you get your own back here. But when um, Cavani gave up the number seven
3: shirt for Ronaldo, the, the the club actually did the right thing, didn't it, Scott? Yeah, they, they allowed you to you could bring your Cavani shirt and get it. They were, I believe, what they were doing was they were reissuing the shirt with Cavani's new number, but they were allowing you to bring it back for free. Yeah, because it was one of those well it was a, you remember the transfer the day it happened it was very close to deadline day and uh, right up until 10 minutes before he was going to move it was going to city so yeah i think and also cavani because the cavani didn't know it was happening until it literally happened he they obviously negotiated in the background and he said that he was willing to give up the seven so yeah i think the the, the club didn't even Because the number was taken, there was no way the club could have known that that was going to happen. But yeah, funnily enough, with a a club run as shambolically as Man United, then they actually managed to organise that quite well. Uh, That wraps
0: up the squad number changes. Let's move on to rumours of the greatest club manufacturer partnership of all time, personal opinion only, could be about to uh, kick off again.
3: Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I don't know about the Lazio fans, but certainly the Roma fans, and and I would hope that all the neutrals are extremely excited about the news that has broken today. Now, nothing's a done deal. This is just a rumor. But the news outlet from Roma, Il Tempo, have come out and said that when the new balance deal expires at the end of the season, um, the front runners to take over it are Adidas. So starting from the 23-24 season, we could see the uh reunitement of Roma and Adidas and i mean we've spoken about these shirts time and time again but i think with the the throwback work that uh Adidas are doing right now there is a there is a definite window there for some absolute bangers to come back with no licensing issues um ad you must, you have to be excited yeah i mean i'm more than excited i've gone through seven boxes
0: of tissues and I sprained my wrist so badly. I had two schools of thought initially. You look at some of the Adidas stuff and you think it's very templancy nowadays. Yeah, we, we talked about labels like Macron coming back and actually overtaking Adidas in terms of how excited we are. And then I looked at a few people today and they pointed out the Arsenal shirts and the stuff they've done with some, you, United over the last few years. So that throwback stuff, even the modern stuff for the top tier teams. And you, you'd like to think, you know, don't want to start a war here, but you know, if they're giving great bespoke stuff to Arsenal, and you've got Roma, you know, <laughs> you're looking at a bigger club there. You're going to get some absolutely quality, quality stuff, and not just the kits. I'm thinking for training wear, I'm thinking for leisure wear. That's one of the things I've missed from from Nike, to be honest. I quite like New Balance stuff, but the the Nike leisure leisure wear was fantastic, and Adidas are up there as well. So yeah, I mean, we've got three hundred. Seventy-six days to go till the season kicks off. A year after this season, I'm already looking forward to the kits. If that deal happens,
2: I think I'm um, um as somebody who likes all the original uh, Roma Adidas stuff, but would choose to focus my finances elsewhere when I'm buying horrendously expensive shirts. I think I'm I'm personally very excited by the prospect of it because not not necessarily for reissues because as I've said in the past, are not necessarily my thing. But obviously, we are going through this whole throwback shirt era at the moment. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. And it's certainly not going to change if Adidas and Roma do link up again, because there is just too much that could just be reimagined or updated. And personally, if it is true, I think it could be one of the best things to happen to football shirts in a long time.
3: And I'm, and I'm about to be something here that apparently, um, from a few of our listeners, I'm not that very often, which is positive, but the uh, the rumour is that it will be the second most lucrative kit deal in Italy, only behind Juve's €408 million uh, Euro contract with uh, Adidas. So I think if that, that, to me, sounds like they've signed an elite deal, not a template deal, so... I think I, I'm going to stay positive, and if it gets done, I think we're going to see some some absolutely cracking shirts, training wear, leisure wear, like you said, Eddie. I think it's going to be fantastic. And the numbers get
0: thrown out a little bit because the the figure that's quoted for the Juventus deal includes all the backhanders to the referees. That's not actually how Juventus get the for, for the club deal. So, so, so the Roma deal will be the biggest deal. I believe, to to the telling club. Tom, I think you've got one more piece of good news you want to share this week in terms of a team that's launched a new kit.
1: Yeah, so we often talk about shirts and, and their longevity and how, you know, we mentioned a few weeks ago, Nike were thinking about keeping home shirts for two years. And we also mentioned Umbro. They do do that with a couple of the, the clubs in their stable already. They keep kits for, for two years. Brentford is one of those those uh, clubs. They've, they're they going into their second Premier League season with with the same home kit. And they um and, uh, released a, an away kit. And it's it's actually a lovely shirt. It's retro-influenced. It has the old 1970s, 1980s castle crest that Brentford used to wear. But the, the the interesting thing is Umbro have said that this kit is going to be used for two years consecutively. So that's a home shirt they've had for two years and they now they'll have an away shirt for two years. So... Yeah, we want to see more of this kind of thing, I think.
2: Obviously, I've said in the past that I'd rather have a new kit every year and I'm going to stick by that. But obviously, I, I understand the benefits and I know exactly why it, it does need to be done a little bit more across the board, um, even if it is just away shirts or third shirts or something. But yeah, it's 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 a good thing. All, all credit to, to Brentford. It, easy to cash in on kits and shirts and it's just something they've decided not to do. So yeah, all credit to them.
3: I think I'm not sure if we've mentioned this before on the pod, but I think every team could take a leaf out of the MLS's book, which is not something you say very often. But you know <laughs> they they release a new shirt every year because they stagger it. So the home shirt lasts two years, the away shirt lasts two years, but they stagger it. So you still get a new shirt every year. And I know they've not seemed to do it so often now, but there did in the past you did used to get the occasional a uh, third kit due to clashes. I think that's why they ended up changing it. You know, they made everybody have one white kit so that you always had an you didn't have a kit clash. But even still, you know, then at least that way you're you're getting the use out of a shirt for two years. But the fans still get at least one new kit every year.
0: Yeah, that's that's, that's fine. in your utopia where uh, you all have to say have the same manufacturer as well. And you're not allowed to go and uh, get independent supplier. but That wraps up this week's kit news, Tom. Introduce
1: the feature. Yeah, a very exciting one. We were joined by football Twitter sensation and podcaster HLTCO. Um, Welcome, listeners, to this week's feature where we're joined by, by a very special guest called Dan, who you may better know from his Twitter account handle at HLTCO and from his podcast, which you can find via Patreon. Also called, called HLTCO. So, welcome, Dan. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, not, not bad. We're, we're, we're really happy that you joined me and Adrian today. Uh, I'm a longtime follower and listener of yours from a, a long way back on Twitter because I think your Twitter account, and we've just had a little chat off, off, a, off of this record, is a, is a rare breed in the world of football social media, I think, in that you, you kind of transcend the bullshit of the tribalism, and you actually create unbiased, balanced debate, which is so rare these days. Yeah, I think, I mean, I I don't want to
5: big myself up, obviously. There's an element of being humble about it, but I mean, primarily, obviously, I'm a Crystal Palace fan, but at the same time, you know, I'm massively into football generally, um, and I like to have a little bit of fun with it along the way. You know, you can get drawn into the sort of toxic side of, of social media. But I think if you treat it with a pinch of salt, it can often, you know, help you uh, to sort of enable people to see that it isn't quite as serious as it otherwise should be. Um, and, you know, football, you can sort of attach as much importance to it or as little as you want, I think. And, and that often gets
1: lost in some people's minds. Uh, so, yeah, thank you very much. Going on to Palace then, Dan. Exciting times in South London. Patrick Vieira, this is his second season. I mean, you struggle to find a more exciting group of young players anywhere in the country. You could even go as far as Europe. You know, you've got some cracking young players there. Um, What do you feel about the business that's been done with players like Eze, with players like uh, the the, the Decore, who's just come in this summer?
5: I mean, to be honest with you, it's a bit of a strange one, that because we signed Eze prior to Roy Hodgson leaving, of course, uh, and that was the sort of first major piece of the puzzle of this rebuild. And I'm not suggesting that we wouldn't have been able to do this with Roy Hodgson in charge, but there is a part of me that feels players like your Mark Gaze and your Michael Elises, even Wilfred Zaha, who's obviously been at the football club for a number of years already, Vieira is such a, a big character and has such a, a huge history in the English game that he immediately had that presence to sort of say, come and play for me. We're going to change the way we're doing things. And obviously, as long as you get off on a good start, it sort of continues to gather momentum. And the signings we've made have all been uh, with an eye on the future. You know, Michael elise when we signed him, 19 years old. I think Eze was 21 or 22. Gay's 21. You've got Joachim Anderson, OK, a little bit older at 25 when he signed. But, I mean, today you mentioned Chet Decoray. Uh, We've been linked and apparently are about to finalise a move for Chris Richards, the Bayern Munich centre-back. And he's a US international, 22 years old, five-year contract. So on one hand, these are players that can improve the team right now and play an aesthetic style of football that is pleasing to all the supporters. But also from a business point of view, you get these young players tied down to long-term deals. And, you know, I don't think anyone should be under any illusions. They're not coming to Palace to stay for their entire careers. They're coming to be given a platform to improve, to play good football and then move on to the super clubs across Europe. But if they do that, then it stands to reason that the profits we'll make are going to be huge. And then you just reinvest it and go again. And I think that entire model is one that hopefully will continue to work very well for us for a number of years.
0: Yeah, interesting one, that, not it? Because you sort of... you. you... Bring in your players, they become crowd favourites in any part with them. But actually, it's a model that more and more clubs and more and more fan bases actually wish that their clubs did operate with and were sustained outside the top six or seven clubs in the Premier League. It's It makes for a sustainable club and it makes for an exciting attack in football as well, because invariably that's, that's what showcases players and gets them sold at profits, isn't it?
5: Well, exactly. And I mean, the other major factor in all of this is the Category 1 Academy, because obviously South London has a huge number of very talented footballers on our doorstep. And prior to a year or so ago, we were competing very much so with the likes of Chelsea, Tottenham, Fulham, Arsenal, and didn't have the facilities to match up against those. So even if you've got kids that are south of the river who would have to travel, they were prepared to do that to get the best facilities available to them but now that Crystal Palace have got that uh, we should hypothetically see a far more frequent conveyor belt of young players we've done very well anyway to bring through a number of quality youngsters but I think that in supplementing the first team for relative peanuts uh, will really aid us as well because I mean Aaron wan is a prime example from the last couple of years ended up being sold for 50 million pounds but I mean, some of the kids that we've got in in the 15s and the 16s at the moment are just outrageous talents. And as I
1: say, hopefully uh, that works out well for the long term as well. So going from that exciting squad that you have and moving on to, to what our podcast is about, which is obviously the kits. An exciting pair of kits this season for Palace as well, do you think?
5: Yeah, very, very nice. I mean, obviously every single kit that gets released gets Pulled apart by fans, and certain people hate them, certain people love them. My own perspective on it has largely always been it doesn't really matter what a kit looks like to the fan who goes every week because if you win in it, you will end up loving it out of pure sort of familiarity, regardless. But the design itself uh, is one which I really like. There's been a fair bit of talk on social media about the fact that it's a direct replica/slash copy of a different kit. I can't remember the team off the top of my head now.
1: It's not think, smart, is it, it Hadrick Split? Hadrick Hadric Split England. away,
4: yeah, I think.
1: So yeah.
5: The reason that we went with Macron was because we didn't want a template. And, you know, if you go with a Nike or an Adidas, you are going to get that unless you can guarantee, I don't know, a million sales hypothetically. And Macron were prepared to give us that bespoke kit. But we actually asked them specifically for that sort of crayon scribble. Uh, with the white on the sleeves to sort of differentiate it from Hadjuk. But then I've seen other people saying that it's a direct lift. And I'm thinking, well, that happens time and time again across football. It, I mean, there are numerous kits that have been released this year that are literally the same all over Europe. And I'm not sure why Palace have been singled out for that. Maybe it's just an easy thing to talk about while football is not going on and people are bored, but I don't know. You know what I think? I think
0: what it is is because the kit is so nice, and people are so surprised by it. They probably thought it was bespoke, and it is. I think it's still is bespoke when you take into account the trim and all the pieces like that. And it probably just it's more the novelty of the surprise that it was somewhere else before. But how many people have seen that kit? You know, it's a great kit. Give it a showcase. A lot more people watch the Premier League than the Croatian Croatian League, and I think it's an absolute banger.
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, when the, because the first kit that got released was the away kit. And obviously, it's got the scribble, so you assume that there's going to be a theme going there. But I just think it really, it just feels very definitive, if you see what I mean. Like, obviously, red and blue stripes is iconic anyway. But I mean, there's a famous quote from Steve Parrish, or at least famous within Crystal Palace's fan base from a few years ago, where he said, there's only so much you can do with stripes. And as a consequence, he's gone down different pathways, uh, in recent years but I think this is quite a nice sort of spin on that and hopefully as I say if we continue to win in it then it will become even more uh, liked amongst the
1: supporters. I love, I love that Parrish quote and I think it's obviously something Inter Milan are struggling with and, and Juventus even with their stripe kits because they're keep trying to reinvent the wheel so to speak and it's not always getting the best reaction but I think these these Palace kits are great and, and like you, you mentioned the white trim on the collar and the sleeves I think it makes the kit. I think it's, it's, it's probably the best part of it and it reminds me that is it was it like 96 the kit with the white collar the big white collar you
5: mean the one that we got promoted in with David Hopkins I'd like yeah it is that one I think with TDK on the front that's that's the one
1: yeah TDK yeah
5: yeah that that yeah the Bayern Munich ripper for the Palace ripper <laughs> another, yeah, another one another one it was, it was an Adidas <laughs> kit it's exactly the same shirt it's just but then no one cares because it looks good like I don't really you know what I mean it's all about designs at the end of the day I don't as long as it looks decent then i don't see why other people couldn't have the same template really but you know
0: and where do palace fans stand on the, on the stripes you know very traditional everybody thinks it's palace have the, the red and blue stripes but when we go through the kits in history and there's been there's been half and halves there's been kits that have been traditionally red with sort of like blue blue arms there's been sashes i mean is there a die hard opinion that every kit should be a solid stripe or as a fan fan base generally is it fairly open to these Different, different ideas and shirts?
5: I think there, there is, I mean, obviously I'm 33 right? and there are a number of, of Palace fans, 50, 60 years old, who grew up with 1971 to 1973. It's like a, a white shirt with a claret and blue stripe down the middle. Because we used to play in claret and blue rather than red and blue. Uh, the origins of the kit is such that, I think his name was Edmund Goodman. Or Goodman I can't remember the the full name now, but he basically was our first ever manager and he arrived from Aston Villa and brought kits with him, which is why from 1905 we played in Claret and Blue. It was only in, I think it was about 73. Malcolm Allison was the manager and he decided that we were no longer going to be called the Glaziers. We were going to be called the Eagles and he wanted to change it from Claret and Blue to Red and Blue, which is why we now play in those colours. Um, and obviously prior to that change it was a lot to do with claret and blue stripes or pinstripes and that's sort of the traditional way of looking at palace kits but then throughout the sort of late 70s we had the red and blue sash which is iconic in palace fans minds Um, and we do periodically produce sort of retro kits and people do buy them you know there's no Doubt about that, but I think if you were to look at the modern supporter, someone that is I don't know 20 years old now, they would point towards stripes as being what they would prefer. Obviously, last season we had that sort of relatively chunky sash that's red and blue, Uh, but for me, stripes is always the way to go personally
0: people forget how many kits palace have had recently like I said i mean i didn't even know anything about the about the claret colors but i watched a documentary a few years about well, probably only last year but there's a team of the 80s the bt sport documentary about palace which is incredible really really great to watch for anybody i'm sure you've seen it dan but for anybody else who hasn't go and watch it and they talked actually you know i remember about Uh, Malcolm Allison, changing the branding and and the name of the club and, um, yeah, just moving in a new direction um, in terms of the kits and things. So, yeah, it's just amazing you've had that sort of primary, three primary colours in the last sort of like 50 years, really, um, in terms of changes.
5: I mean, in a strange way, I mean, we've changed the badge from, there was one that we had throughout the sort of 90s and and early noughties. And then when Steve Parrish and the current ownership came in, it was sort of decided that it was too intricate a badge to to print easily on numerous items of clothing. So they simplified it and there was sort of a, a fan led poll as to which one we were going to end up with. And all four of the originals didn't end up getting used. I don't think because one of them literally looked like a Nazi eagle. It was terrible. And one of them looked very American. They just didn't really feel particularly palace, but the badge that we've got now, I think most people are a fan of. They've actually changed the, the date of foundation on it from uh, 1905 to a previous date. I don't know if you've seen that, this claim, 1861.
1: That oh, we,
0: you're opening up a can of worms here, right? Because uh, We Tom, got in so
1: much trouble, yeah. yeah
0: no, Tom did. Tom put yeah. out a tweet once upon a time um, about the oldest oldest team in, in England or something and yeah, it went went terribly wrong it was for him.
1: It last year and it was, a, it it was a, based a Yeah, the white one. And it was, of course, Palace, they let out this presser and it was about how it was, uh, you know, in in homage to that first ever professional football team, which would date Palace as older than Sheffield FC. Of course, I just verbatim took the presser, tweeted it out. (laughs) And I was inundated by historians and Sheffield FC fans, really slagging me off, really Really? slagging me off. Well, even the other day. So we, personally, (laughs) I
5: think, well, initially... Most Palace fans took it as a bit of a joke, as a bit of a sort of poking at a hornet's nest and a bit of a laugh. We released this video. It felt quite tongue-in-cheek. But since then, the club have sort of run with it and it it has sort of divided the fan base a little bit because, you know, they've released books that are like the comprehensive history of Crystal Palace and then they've changed the date on the badge to 1861 and you've got people tweeting the official account going, my official annual appears to be missing 45 years. So... (laughs) You know, it is a bit of a difficult one. I, I'm sort of a bit of a people with tattoos that have got 1905 on them. You know, <laughs> although someone did highlight the other day that if you've got one of those tattoos, it means that you are an original Palace fan and not someone that come along in 2023. <laughs> so, yeah. There is a way of spinning it, but I, I don't know. I, I just feel like we are a club from 1905. You can make that link, but it feels a little bit tentative. Although it's amazing how much people care. They, they tweeted out the new badge and Fulham's official Twitter account just put a picture up of Craven Cottage and went, we are the oldest club in London. And I'm thinking, Don't, you shouldn't care as much as this. Okay. Like, it doesn't really matter. But people That's do. Okay. People take it very seriously. What is your favourite Palace shirt, Dan? So I I was thinking about this question. And obviously, if if you look back to the formation of or the foundation of, of the Twitter page and the blog, given the fact that we went up in that kit, I should probably say the one that you mentioned, the one with the white collar, because it's it's the kit that David Hopkins scored the goal in that gave the name to the Twitter page. But if I was to actually speak purely honestly, here, without the sort of promotional garb that I could put alongside the whole Twitter page, we had a centenary kit, funny enough in 2005, we released one uh, and it's a homage to the Clarit and blue and the mainly white shirt. It's, It was only available for one year. And I remember it specifically cost £10 more than the other shirts. And it was so nice. The Adora made it, as I say, predominantly white with a big claret and blue stripe down the middle. Uh, The badge was central to the shirt. I had it as a, what was I then, 16? Yeah, it was just, it was a perfect shirt. It felt really nice. It was thin. You know, like back in the day, football shirts used to be really heavy and you'd walk around in them and would make you sweat. This was just like something that you could just wear as a T-shirt.
4: Mm-hmm. And
5: I've still got it in my drawer now. So probably if I was to single out a kit, particularly because it was only available to buy for that one year as well, it's, it's very much a collector's item, I would say that one.
0: That's uh, peak Diadora as well. I had the heat spot things on the arms as well. Didn't yeah, it yeah. supposed to change. We only temperature wore it like four
5: times, I yeah. think. Well, yeah. we won every single game that we played in it, so maybe we should bring it back.
0: Bring yeah. it back, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at it now because it's not one I remember, but yeah, uh, beautiful kit,
1: beautiful. Mm. It just reminds me that era, its prime Andy Johnson. I yeah. remember Andy Johnson was killing it at Palace at that time, wasn't he?
5: There was there right? was one game that we wore it at Sellers uh, and Clinton Morrison was at the club with AJ at that point, which was ironic because we'd sold Clinton Morrison to Birmingham and got 5 million pounds plus Andy Johnson, which is absolutely (laughs) ridiculous, right? And then two years later, he came back for 2 million pounds and played up front with AJ, which is the most amazing piece of business, I think, that we've done in 20 years. And that particular season, he was playing up front with AJ, and there was a move, I can't remember who played the ball through, but Clinton like flicked it over a defender's head and AJ ran onto it and dinked the goalkeeper in front of the Homesdale Road end in that kit, Sonny, won the game. It just felt like everything was right with the world. And I remember it now and it was what how many years ago is that? Seventeen. So it shows he's obviously made a severe impact
1: on my brain. That's what football kits are all about as well. Those memories. Those yeah. memories and, and that shirt, yeah, forever yours. And
0: that shirt had the Churchill sponsor on it.
1: It did it all peels off in about a week
0: all oh, right okay <laughs> without um maybe give my personal opinion here, is that the last decent sponsor you've had on a shirt as well in terms of the aesthetics
5: um, of it the, the worst one for me was the one immediately followed that which was gac logistics because it's just ugly not only were they not known but it just looks terrible it looks like the sort of sponsor that would have been automatically generated by some sort of computer game <laughs> a regen sponsor yeah yeah, and obviously there's been a history of, of betting sponsors and it's just not particularly nice. Uh, the one that we've got this year since actually looks okay, I think. Although the yeah. iconic Palace, Palace sponsor for me will always be Fly Virgin because it's just a fantastic kit from 1990 and we got to the FA Cup final in it and it just has that aura about it.
1: We've, we've spoken briefly then about your favourite shirt, but do you have a least favourite, like one that you would just you wish you'd never had it, consign it to the bin. Yeah, I do. Because, there. you
5: know, I mentioned GAC Logistics. So you had the 2006-07 one is, is all right. It's not terrible, although it's those thick lines. And then 2007-08 is the same sponsor with far too much red on it. Like, what is that? It's not a Palace kit. That like, Red shorts, for me, just don't work with Palace kits. They always have to be blue or white um and it just looks terrible with the triangle going down it, it just it goes into like a v
1: doesn't it at the bottom yeah. a, a rear like into a v yeah and to be
5: honest we were we were crap at that point anyway and i think i put it down largely to the kit it was just a very poor time to be a palace fan i think peter taylor was in charge and we were just sitting there in about 14th place in the championship playing rubbish football and Yeah, it just isn't a fond memory for me. And I think that is partly what happens. You know, even if you fast forward to the 2009-10 season, admittedly, that's back to like your standard red and blue stripes. But that year was the year that we were in administration and we played for free for three months. And that group of players are revered across the entire football club and always will be. And as a consequence, even though it's a relatively unremarkable kit, I think it stands the test of time because of what it meant to us while they were playing in that shirt. So... Yeah, it shows you how different your memories can be of, of different kits, depending on what's going on on the pitch.
0: It's amazing how you get the emotional value sort of tied into the fabric as well. But, but looking at that 0708 kit, the collar is shit. So I can see irrelevant about how well the pitch is doing on the, the team is doing on the yeah. pitch. Yeah, I can see why you, why you'd want to be in that it's
5: one. It's the worst, without a doubt. I mean, we haven't mentioned the away kits, but we had an away kit in the year that we got promoted at Cardiff in the playoff final against West Ham which would have been uh, 2003, four, I think. Uh, It was yellow with sky blue shorts. Unbelievable away kit. I loved it. Um, And we've not done it since, I don't think. Well, actually, that's a lie.
1: We did it in 2015, but it didn't feel as nice to me. See, see, I'm just looking at that away kit you mentioned, yellow with this, like sky blue again, like, Collar. That, that, they were Admiral making those kits, 0304. Mm. You, you've really had a lot of different manufacturers, oh, haven't we you? We cycle
5: through them. There's no doubt about
1: that. The last 20 years, you've pretty much gone through every single one of them. Adidas, Knight, things like there's, Admiral,
5: there's a lot of Diabora. There's a lot of clamour amongst the fan base to get Adidas back because in many people's minds, that was the golden era of Palace kits. Um, when we had that David Hopkins TDK one. Uh, and, you know, I, I just think... I'm always of the mind of I would rather have a kit that is relatively individual to us rather than one that's all over the world and it's just a, a template. Um, with that in mind, unless we become a superpower, you're never going to get an Adidas or a Nike making us our own kit. So
0: Even if you were, honestly, I'd, I'd certainly put that out this year. Macron's an upgrade on Adidas.
1: Kappa have got to be one of the only ones you haven't had. Again, I'm looking. I mean, we've even got brands like TFG Sports, Nutmeg, Bookter, Ribéry, Le Coq Sportif, Macron now. I mean, yeah. Bloody hell. I mean, we've had Macron
5: twice now. We we have struggled to find
1: a club with more manufacturers, but I guess it means it leads to such a great variety of shirts.
5: Well, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I was quite pleased with Puma. Obviously, we're not with them anymore because we've gone back to Macron, but I didn't think any of the Puma kits were poor. I didn't see them and immediately recoil at my screen um, when they were released. So I think we've done relatively well in recent years, but I think there's an increasing effort from behind the scenes at the club to sort of be relatively innovative with it, but still make sure that it feels authentically palace. And, and that's something I think should be important always.
1: One of the questions we always like to ask people when they come on, and it, it does get the brain moving a little bit, we always like to ask people what their fantasy player kit combination would be. And again, like you've mentioned some names here, and of course the podcast Twitter page is named after David Hopkins. But what would be your dream player kit combination for Crystal Palace? I think it's got to be it's got to be Zaha in the 90 kit, just because that
5: was, other than right now, obviously, with this unprecedented period in the Premier League success-wise, that team with Ian Wright and Mark Bright and, and the FA Cup final and, and the sort of hope that we had as a fan base at that time and what that shirt and kit generally sort of means to the fan base. But if you look at the last 12 years... Wilfred Zaha is just somebody that encapsulates Crystal Palace down to a tee and I think if he could have or can play in that shirt at some point I just think it would be the perfect mesh of like old and new Uh, because if you look at this whole era since 2013 he's been pretty much ever present Uh, and I I honestly feel like he will go down as a club legend regardless of anything else so if you could have him in that shirt I think that's probably uh, where I would go Great answer
1: (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Dan. It's been an absolute pleasure. Love chatting about all the Palace shirts. Really excited to see where Palace go this year. And I'm rooting for Mark Gareth, definitely.
5: So. <laughs> He's a Rolls Royce, mate. I'll tell you that.
1: You've made an absolute error getting rid of oh, him. I know. Thank you very much for joining us, Dan. And again, oh, no, for anyone that doesn't follow him, you can find him on Twitter at HLTCO and the podcast at Patreon, also HLTCO. Lovely stuff. Thank you very much.
3: So that was a really great feature. And I think not only was there some really good information in there, but it was also for the kit geeks out there, it was a really good background story to all the different colors of the, the kits that they've had over 50 years. And not only that, but the, the, the amount of different manufacturers they've had, there, there can't be many clubs out there that have had such a wide variety of manufacturers. So if you're, if you're a, you know, that would, have, that was a great lesson for the kit geeks. Scott, you're reading my mind,
0: because that leads nicely into this week's new releases. And I'm going to kick off with the Crystal Palace Macron third shirt. Gents, same rules apply, two to three words per shirt. As I've said, Crystal Palace third shirt, off you go, Mike, Tom, Scott.
1: Macron, smashing it. Top of the game, top of the pile.
0: Brilliant sash. We've had the peachy number from Umbro and the Vertebroman away shirt. More great Umbro. Fruit salad, Delicious. Yeah, a bit too skin colored for me. RB Leipzig Incorporated released their new home shirt.
1: Nah, it's, it's okay. Doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, spilled paint on a template. Juventus seemed
0: to be the second best athletes last team in Italy released our way shirt.
3: Sponsor ruins everything. A bit team wear. Bored and worn by cunts. <laughs> Sorry, Grandad. Which, <laughs> which one? <laughs> Oh, there's a couple that spring to mind.
1: <laughs> Preston, North, <laughs> Preston North End, very new Nike home shirt.
2: Picked from a catalogue.
1: Oh, I like this. I think understated, but good. Terrible team wear. Everton released a pink Hummel away shirt.
3: Not for me. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Ruined by a sponsor.
0: Michael Jordan came back with PSG in their new away shirt.
3: Best
1: jump man so far. Again, range between the stadium
3: and the, the ADV is huge. Great colorway.
0: So far, Pike
3: i think so scott yeah i i mean i've I've commented on a few threads with people coming out saying it was it's boring and it's this and it's that, but i mean it it hits it ticks all the boxes it's got the you know that kind of adapted hash tear stripe, but it's not the same as the ones they've used in the past because they they've ad- you know they've changed how it, it adapts with a the sponsor they've still got those great basketball shorts. And I think the color is class. I think the, the, the dark gray and the black, which really smart together. Monochrome badge. They, it's just, yeah, it's good shit. There we go. The authority has spoken. Blackburn Rovers released three Macron shirts
0: this week. I want to talk to you about the red third shirt with the roses. Shit, sponsor.
1: Wank, sponsor.
0: Yeah, I had great pattern throughout. The pattern is unreal. There's nobody yeah. else picked up on that at all. It's, it's really good. Cremonese have returned to Serie A and they've returned with a service, service shirt that's a throwback to the 90s. Gentlemen, what do you think? Great colourway. Yeah, classic
3: Serie A, this. I think it looks a bit Dortmund. It's got the fuck off. And supposed <laughs> to be the best release. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty much exactly, the, it's the Dortmund home kit in a different colour. <laughs> Big fan of the show, Paul Beerman, would like to shout
0: West Brom's away shirt this week. Fuck the bag is, nice badge. Humour more awful again. Scott, that West Brom shirt at Cherry Elements, you're a bad man. Benetia Stairs shirt.
1: <laughs> Hate it. Trashy, gaudy crap. Worst of a
0: shocking three. Love you guys. Uh, Gwyn Camp, if that's how you say it, with the set shirts.
2: I think it's pronounced Gangon and it's one of my favourites of the year so far.
3: Gangon. Yeah, sponsor overload.
2: Uh, Brighton Home. I love it and you're all fucking wrong.
3: I don't like the yellow trim. So I'm breaking the rules for this one because um there was a very very funny meme on uh <laughs> on Twitter that was from an account that yeah there are more than one accounts that post funny football memes but it was um fat boy slim standing with his hands up and <laughs> somebody's written it So the white bit looks like an H and they'd written shit. (laughs) It fitted in so well. I was like, that's brilliant.
0: (laughs) That was hilarious. There's only one football account um, for memes on on Twitter and that's uh, Kit for Brains. But uh, CB Seagull, a big Brighton fan, really likes it. He says it's different, but it's still us. So there we go. We're all wrong. Um, AC Mallon's away shirt. Another shit puma.
3: Oh, I love this. Love it. Graphic just dropped. It looks like something you're doing Microsoft Paint.
0: Well, there we go. That's a hell of a lot of new releases, and that wraps us up. Let's move on to kit history. Kid history. Kid history. We haven't made it up. Kid history. Kit History, we read it on Wikipedia.
2: Right, for Kit History this week, I was going to visit Crystal Palace, but uh, pretty much all got covered in the feature. So I'm going to do something a little bit different. Whilst I was on my deep dive about Palace and the history of their kits, I stumbled across a great little website um, that basically had some incredible information about kits that clubs have used over the years for short periods of time before they settled on their more sort of like well-known colours. So I've just kind of pulled out a few that I thought were really, really good. And I'm going to drop a thread of them in the week from the pod account so everybody can see them. So firstly, the one that I liked being a Villa fan was Villa. So it's chocolate and brown stripes. So everybody knows that everyone copied Villa who wear claret and blue, especially West Ham. But originally, it seems like our claret and blue came after chocolate and brown. Moving on from there, I saw one of the coolest shirts I've ever seen that was worn by Blackpool. It was a black, gold and red hoot shirt, and it was used as a gesture of support to Belgian refugees from the Great War. On from there, we'll go to Bolton. So Bolton once had, a, had white shirts with red polka dots. Now, apparently there's no photographs of this shirt, but it's well documented in newspapers from the time that they definitely wore this for a few years. Next up, we got Brentford. So Brentford, again, hoops seemed to be the craze in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And Brentford wore a mad mix of claret, salmon, and blue hoops. Amazing. On from there, we go to Chesterfield. Now, Chesterfield, early on, went full Brexit FC and had an enormous Union Jack covering the entire torso of the shirt. Not for me, but an interesting point in their history. Leighton Orient had white, red and green stripes, not too dissimilar from the Cork City kits from the early 90s that we love. Wolves had an incredible Monaco-style diagonal cut split of the old gold and black. West Brom once wore a scarlet and blue. That's scarlet and blue, not claret and blue, apparently. Yeah, OK, West Brom, you you tell yourselves that. So, yeah, scarlet and blue stripes before they moved on to their, uh, their blue and white. And then the one I'm going to mention finally was my favourite. So Watford once went to the, the pitch in a green, red and yellow hooped shirt quite frankly, looks exactly like, I don't know if you guys remember these, but do you remember Refreshers, the fizzy sweets you had when you were a kid? Looks exactly like a packet of them. And I can't wait for everybody to see that. So look out for the thread because I'm going to share all of those and the website you can find all of that on.
3: That's amazing that somebody's managed to put all that together. It must have been really difficult with the time era that those shirts were worn to get like proper evidence to be able to to set up a website for it. It,
2: it is amazing. This, this, this site, I'm, I'm, whilst whilst we're ch- chatting now, I'm just kind of pulling it back up now so I can remember because I was really unprofessional and forgot the website. So you've
0: got to be careful about saying you're pulling something back up when you're on a web chat. <laughs>
2: <laughs> people expect no different from this podcast anymore um, <laughs> so yeah it was um it was actually historicalkits.co.uk and like i say i am going to share the link as well as the the screenshots of my favorite shirts on there so this this website we we all we all use old football shirts, which is great. It's it's uh, you know it's user run with us uploading our favourites, but this is just an incredible site that you'll you you'll, you'll recognise the images from there because they're all sort of like computer generated images of these shirts from the olden days. And like I say, there is they do put on a little bit of the evidence as to you know where the story comes from, from where these these shirts come from. It's one of the places I've used in the past when I am. Um, double-checking some of the, the kit history that, that we've done in the past. But, but yeah, the, the amount of time and effort that must go into it is incredible. And I'm going to share it, like I say for everybody to see because you just can't miss it.
1: It, it looks great. Oh, it sounds great. And, yeah, there were some great stories. But when you went from Aston to Blackpool to Bolton, it did start to sound like the world's shittest coach trip. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> we look forward to seeing that next week, Mike. Thank you
0: very much for doing that research as ever. Right, gentlemen, this moves us on to a new feature this week when we've got Ask the Panel. And our first ever question for Ask the Panel comes in from Shirts Happens. Shirts Happens, big fan of the pod. I'm going to try and ask the question in his accent. I don't know his accent. I'm going to make this up. So he says, Looking through my shirts got me thinking. I tend to prefer wear shirts over home shirts. I think it's because designers go for it more with away shirts people since absolute crackers i don't know if they think it's all kids do as well question what do people think are you drawn to home or wear shirts chosen by your collection
2: right firstly apologies to to shirt happens i believe his name's ross for uh interpretation of your (laughs) voice i can see that this feature going forward is is going to be filled with a lot of silliness um but yeah as as for the question To to answer this, as for what my preference is, what I'm going to do is I'm going to discount my buying collection and my villa collection because that massively taints everything because obviously I collect. Every one of them. Um, and for Bayern, for example, I've got everything since 1991. There's always ways and thirds to go with them. So that massively inflates my number of, of away and third shirts that I've got. But I had a quick flick through my collection and I'm definitely an away third and fourth shirt, man, to be honest with you. I've got a few homes in there, but generally, I think I'm attracted to the, the different nature of an away shirt, the variety and the mix
1: that you usually get with it. It is. You're right. The away the and away thirds are the ones that jump out at you. But I think just the way I collect, I normally collect shirts because of certain like club sides or players. So I always tend to go for the classic home look for a lot of the shirts I collect. But then I think maybe, yeah, so like say, for example, AC Milan, I've got more home shirts than than ways. But going forward, I think it'd be the aways that would catch my attention now more than the home ones.
0: I am with Ross on this. So I did exactly the same as Mike. I discounted all of my Roma shirts and had a look at my collection. And everybody knows, not everybody knows, because not everybody knows, but I'd I'd collect a shirt for every team that's ever played in Serie A. And away from the big clubs, when I'm starting to pay a lot of money for shirts, I'd rather get a shirt I like the look of. And that's led me to buy a lot of away a third and fourth shirts. So I was really surprised. Ross's question Prompt me. Uh, looks in the wardrobe. Looks in the collection, and uh, yeah, I've got an awful lot. Discounting Roman, an awful lot of away
3: third and four shirts. I think I am slightly different to uh you and uh, Adie and Mike there, more more with Tom because. So what I did was I didn't discount any of my collection, so I have I have every shirt uh team that Beckham played for. So again, that would have included aways and thirds, and I have almost. We, we didn't fucking know that. <laughs> And I have almost every, I think I'm only missing three or four United shirts from 1990, but I included all of those in my count. And I came up with, I have 195 out of 450 that are home shirts. And so that's roughly 43% of the collection, but included in the, in the other 57% is the random goalkeeper shirt here or there. So I think I'm not far off 50 of fifty-fifty. I think, which is, which is probably not really answering the question. But when I buy shirts, I don't tend to have a preference whether it's home, away, or third. Outside of Manchester United, I just buy shirts that I like, and and I don't even, I wouldn't even consider which if it was home, away, or third. I just buy the ones I like, and. You can see, I mean, Barcelona is a good example because if you look at the home shirt last year, it was a fucking stinker. But their Europa League home shirt was a belter. So I think for me, the, as much as the home shirts don't vary that often, they vary enough for me to make one shirt nice compared to the other that would make me buy it. So to I,
0: answer Ross's answer question, and tell me if I'm wrong, gents, but away from your own team, your main team, most of us, as collectors, buy aesthetically. We, we buy what we like and what we're drawn to and what we think is is beautiful to look at. And as such, we're not drawn so much to home shirts.
2: I think that's a, I think that's a fair... Um, a, a fair summary of it to be to be honest I think that um I think it'll be good to throw it out on the thread and, and see see what others are, th- are thinking because I think that you know, I mean I know it's it's I mean when we do these things I know largely it ends up kind of split down the middle a little bit but I think this one in particular I do think
1: it will swing more more that way to be honest with you and if you want to come on next week with a question to all of us and be insulted like people that go to those Chinese restaurants where the waitresses are really rude let us know on the Twitter account or in the DMs. Yeah,
2: I, th- I think that, I think anyone who does it now is going to have to know that the, 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 the silly voice from AD is going
3: to be part of it now. And nothing's off the yeah. limits. You can ask us anything about anything shirt-related, you can ask. There's no no restrictions. Anything football-related, people can ask you what you did with your David dog. <laughs> 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 you actually, see it. You S- can see it still in the box up there. Stop bending over.
0: <laughs> when, you, I was say, when you say you see it up there it doesn't really work on a podcast um, but it's better than Tom's joke right, that wraps up this week's new feature but going back to previous week's features we're going to return to uh, Kit Room 101 what we've we got this week I give up an absolute of disgrace I am flabbergasted Analyzer for the cold's gone warm. shocking, I am I am disgusted with it
2: Yeah, so this week I've been speaking to Simon Christopher, who has thrown one in for us, and I'm going to play it for us
4: now. All right, lads. My suggestion for Room 101 would be signed shirts, Uh, specifically uh, the, the price of signed shirts on the open market, like them being more expensive than normal shirts. You know, I don't understand how a shirt that signed like to Diego from whoever player should be worth more than a regular shirt just because it, you know it's being sold to Gary from Preston ten years after the fact. You know, not to mention, uh, you know, all these all these weirdos like window licking at the training grounds and webbing little kids out the way to get these shirts that they sell for like three times the price just because they were at the stadium one day and thought they'd try and make a cheap, you know, a cheap buck. It's, 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 you know, if you're a little kid or you just happen to meet the person yourself or if it's like a match worn, you know, that's that's a bit different. But I just I just don't get how any reseller could justify it being worth more money after, you know, it's been signed for them or for some other random. Anyway, that's what I think. Uh, I'd love to know what you guys think of it. So, yeah, there you go then, lads. Signed
0: shirts. What what, what are you thinking? But I want to go first this week because I always have to wait for everybody else. First thing I want to say is Simon is probably one of the most underrated and best Twitter accounts anybody can follow. So I think it's, is it Simon's doing life, Mike? Is that his uh, Twitter handle? I believe it is. I will just double check that, but I think so, yeah. Signed shirts. I do have signed shirts. I don't go and seek signed shirts shirts. I wouldn't pay extra for a signed shirt. The only signed shirts I have happened to be because they were great value in shirts I wanted anyway and yeah, came across them.
3: Um, so yeah, I'm, I think I'm waiting. Yeah, I definitely don't feel as passionately about it as Simon does, clearly, but I don't go and seek them out. I would have to agree. I only have, I have two signed shirts. One of them was, uh, is a framed David Beckham shirt, Shock Horror. That was a wedding gift from my closest friends, and but it doesn't say to Roger, you know, it it's just his signature. So that that I think that's a better. If it's just signed, but I think if you get it personalised and then try and flog it, I'm fully with him on that one. <laughs> and funnily enough, the other shirt I have is the uh, Real Madrid third fourteen fifteen um, in a what is it a Yana, Yamanoto um, shirt. Signed by Sergio Ramos that I don't remember buying. I went on a <laughs> night out, I came home the next day, and I got a notification on my eBay when I woke up that I had bought a shirt, so I, that's why I have a signed Sergio Ramos shirt. To be
1: fair, that's not the worst night out regret I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would
3: agree, I don't seek them out, so I'm with them. I'm happy to put signed shirts in 101.
1: Yeah, I don't know, I don't know where I stand on it. I think I agree with him that they don't add value, a signature on a shirt. I think that that's right. If you're looking, I don't know, if your game plan is to get a shirt signed and sell them on, I don't really think it adds much value, especially if it's personalised, obviously. But I don't see the harm in having signed shirts. Again, it depends what your, your reasons are for, for owning it, having it like... If it's uh, just a, a memento or a little bit of memorabilia that you're going to keep and, and a reminder of like a great season or something, you you get a replica s- squad signed or something. Like I have a Sutton United shirt signed by the squad the year they got promoted to League Two for the first time, and never going to sell it. It's a lo- lovely little keepsake for me. So uh, yeah, th- th- I don't. I think that's cool. Like uh, something to have. Like you said, Scott, you got that, that uh, framed one. But yeah, I definitely agree with him. It doesn't add value to a shirt, but yeah, no no harm in having them, I don't think.
2: I, th- I think, yeah, I, I would say, as, as we've said in the past, obviously, obviously room, this Room one is only supposed to be a bit of fun and whatever. We're not telling anybody they, what they can of can't do. We're not gatekeepers. But I would say that as a general thing, I do agree with him that the whole sign thing is kind of like a bit of a spent thing. It, I feel like it's a bit more old school, like in the era of selfies and uh, you know, the, the the digital world that we live in now, I think that I would say 99% of people would probably rather have a selfie with a footballer than have a shirt signed by a footballer. Um, and I think that the one thing I definitely agree with is the value thing. For, for me, it, it's, it's, do, doesn't add. It certainly doesn't add value, you know. Especially when they're personalised.
1: Unless it's match worn, I think if it's match worn and it's just got a signature, I think then it maybe does add value. But, but yeah, I, I, not I, like if agree. you've turned up with a replica and, and they've signed it. That that doesn't. Yeah, yeah, I agree.
2: yeah. I, I I'd agree with that. I I to be honest with you, then they're, they're not necessarily my thing. I've only ever really had a couple of signed shirts. One of them was a match worn Cheltenham Town with Jack Butland goalkeeper shirt. And I recently moved it on to another Chalkton collector because I knew he would appreciate it a lot more than I did. Because I, I buy my shirts to wear, and I'm not going to wear one for a start that's XL because it would look ridiculous on me. And secondly, that's that's signed, so I just it's, it's just not for me. So purely for that reason, I would probably put it in.
0: Gents, what I'm thinking from this though is we're looking at it from a collector's perspective, as a fan perspective. If you just support I'd know pick a team, Liverpool, but don't collect football shirts. Assign Liverpool shirt, stadium, match worn, player spec, whatever. I mean, that's that's cool though. It's a bit harsh to throw it in room one hundred and one, is it not?
1: Yeah, I I I think I wouldn't put it in room one hundred and one because yeah, I, I think like I said, some people would treasure that with a signature on it, you know. And I think if it's going to be kept and treasured, then you can't throw a lo- beloved item away. I think, I don't think.
3: I think the trouble is here. It's like everything when we do a Room 101 is we always find three ways to answer the question. And I think you're right. If I definitely agree with him that if you're showing up to a stadium, pushing kids out the way to get a shirt signed to then get straight home and fire it on eBay or go on Twitter and ask for friends and family, then I'm completely against that. But I do agree that, yeah, it could be a treasured... I mean, I have a signed FA Cup quarterfinal programme when me and my dad went to Old Trafford and Sir Alex Ferguson signed my program. And like you said, Tom, I'll never sell that. I didn't get that signature for a profit. I got that because it reminds me of the day me and my dad went to that football game. So yeah, I think it's it's another one of those where we've kind of split signed shirts up into different categories and some of them go in and some of them don't. But if it's just purely a signed shirt, yeah, I think it would be a bit harsh to throw every single one into one on one. We're gonna vote. Okay, no, stays out. In,
1: it's out for me. I'm
3: out,
0: even though the temptation was to in just for the song, and then we could shake it all about. But um, I think this week <laughs> it, it it stays out. So that wraps up another week of They Think It's All Over, the Football Shirt Show.
1: Yeah, and I just want to say, add on to that, we're, we're so grateful for all of the feedback and the support the pod has had in the last couple of weeks since, since we rebranded. It, it really has meant a lot to us. We all take a fair amount of time researching and putting this all together for everyone. So that support is the reason we do it. And yeah, it's, we're really, really grateful. And thank you for listening. I hope you keep doing so.
3: Even you, one star all right, all right,
0: Scott. They thought it was all over. But it is now.